When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, everybody. This is Dan. Welcome to our Thursday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. This is our last podcast of the week. We will not be bringing you on Friday morning, but don't worry. We're giving you an extended podcast today. So we're going to start off with the kind of what would normally be our, our daily podcast segment uh, with Mary Kay, Scott, and me. Then you're going to hear from Daryl Slater of uh, NJ.com, our sister site. He's going to preview the Jets. Then we're going to take a break. If you want to pause it at that break and save the rest for Friday, that's probably the perfect time to do that. If not, you can binge the whole thing, whatever you want to do. But that's your spot to pause it uh, if you want to kind of chill out and wait till Friday to listen to the rest of the thing. So after that break, we're going to do our weekly picks. That's when we have a Football Insider subscriber on for that. If you want those Football Insider subscriber details, head to cleveland.com browns and click on the blue banner at the top of the page. And then Mary Kay Ellis and I spend some time just kind of chatting about life on the beat. Uh, We tell some travel stories. Ellis kind of got to be involved in his first little travel uh, adventure, at least since joining the Browns beat with us on Sunday. So uh, we talk a little bit about some of the adventures we've had. Mary Kay tells some celebrity stories. We, uh, We talk about our favorite Paul Rudd movies and TV shows. It's real quick, but you got to at least stick around for that. Uh, So that's the fourth and final segment. And lastly, I just want to say, of course, we appreciate all of you listening to this with our seven podcasts a week. We do a post-game show. Uh, We do the two Gotta Watch the Tape episodes most weeks, only one this week. But I just want to say here that uh, we really appreciate you listening. It really means a lot uh, when when you guys listen, leave reviews, even some of the ones that aren't so nice to us. We, We really appreciate you being subscribed and listening to this podcast every single day. And for those of you who are out there who are Football Insider subscribers, we certainly appreciate you as well. Okay, I've talked too long. This is already a really long podcast. So here is our special holiday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk. everybody, welcome to our Thursday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, our special edition that's here to get you through the holiday weekend. We put about two podcasts in one here and we start uh, with just kind of a normal thing that you hear on a Thursday. So uh, welcoming on Mary Kay Cabot. Mary Kay, how are you? I'm doing great, Dan. How you doing? Doing well. And Scott Patsko with us as well. Scott, how are you? Good. I have all my Christmas shopping done, so I'm good to go from here. You are ahead of me then. <laughs> um, <laughs> we'll have our PixPod podcast. Uh, segment to this. We'll have a segment uh, previewing the Jets and we'll have a little story time uh, a little later. Okay, let's get to this here. A a few topics today and I want to start with Ronnie Harrison because this is uh, actually pretty big news. Ronnie Harrison designated to return. Uh, So I want to start here. 
Mary Kay, just getting Ronnie Harrison back on this defense. I mean, it's, it's huge. Joe Woods needs help in the secondary and, and he's going to get it. We, we don't know if he's going to be able to play for sure this weekend, but certainly that help is coming soon. Oh, absolutely. I mean, when I think about it, when you look back even to the Ravens game and know that they played that game without Denzel Ward and Ronnie Harrison, that makes a huge difference. And I think when they have to meet some of these teams again in the playoffs, uh, the Titans, the Ravens, whoever they're going to face uh, down the stretch here, it is going to be huge uh, to have both of those guys back. I think you could already see the immediate contribution that Denzel made uh, in the last game. And I think it's going to be the same with Ronnie Harrison. Not only does he bring uh, the tremendous skill set that he has, but he just has that, uh, that energy, that fire, that sort of field general way about him. He's probably been the most consistent defender across the board that the Browns have had this season. And I feel bad for Carl Joseph because he's coming off clearly his best game with the Browns. Uh, I mean, he had eight tackles. He had two pass breakups uh, against the Giants. He had his highest PFF grades uh, of the season. I mean, you know, and, and now obviously he, you know, he might be going back to the bench. So I, I don't know, maybe it's, maybe it's really, this is really about Sheldrick Redwine and he's like the catalyst here and he made Carl Joseph play better. Maybe he'll be a better fit with, uh, with Ronnie Harrison, but you know, I guess either way you go, the, the Browns are going to get maybe a, a higher level of play from, from their strong safety than they have most of the season. And, you know, maybe there's a little hidden benefit here, too, because, you know, like you said, Scott, Carl Joseph had his best game. He was doing a lot of it, you know, in the box. Um, a lot of the really big plays he made kind of playing that hybrid position. And you know, look, if you go against the Ravens again in the playoffs or, you know, there's some teams where it might be useful to have, you know, you'll have Sandejo, Harrison, if you can trust Carl Joseph, you trust Sheldrick Redwine in spots, there might be some teams where if you can just roll out a bunch of versatile guys at safety, you know, it could help you win a football game. Yeah. You know what? I think, uh, again, it's just one of those uh, hidden benefits of a guy getting injured is that somebody else uh, gets to step in there, get some good reps, uh, maybe even redeem himself a little bit. As you mentioned, Scott, that was Carl Joseph's best game. And he had been grading out not that high earlier on in the season, obviously. So, uh, you know, for him to be able to do that, uh, I think is tremendous. And now Andrew Zendejo is coming back as well. So if you look at the secondary in general right now, where it is today or potentially uh, for this, at least for the Steelers game in the playoffs from where it was a couple of weeks ago, it's going to be night and day, and that will serve them well. Now, I don't know for sure if Ronnie's going to play this weekend. This might be a situation where this is his week back to practice. He tests it out, sees how, see how everything goes, and he either plays or he doesn't play. Uh, but at least he's back on the field. I think he'll be back uh, for the Steelers game and for the playoffs. Yeah, having as much depth as possible for the Steelers in the playoffs is really, that's the target here. That's what you want. So I, I wanted to ask this, this is kind of a, a league question, but with Ronnie coming off IR and, and the Browns have had a number of situations like this, you know, across the league, we're seeing situations like this, but you know, obviously the league has the new protocols in place for the injured reserve list where a guy only has to miss three games. It just feels to me like this is one of those things the NFL stumbled across that maybe they should have some variation of this. If they don't want it to be three games, five, five games, what, whatever, but is there any reason that you guys can think of that the league shouldn't just adopt this full-time to let guys come back off IR after a shorter span and maybe lift that, that rule that you can only bring a, a set number back. 
I, I 100% think that they should keep this. This is ideal. So often you need a guy to sit out for three games or four games or something like that, a very short-term thing. And it just seems like there are more and more injuries every year. I don't know if it was, it was probably be, it was probably because of COVID this off season. There are so many injuries this year in particular, and it's really helped to have the three game IR. And it's just, again, one of those things that it's, it was sort of an unintended consequence of, of this pandemic that you, you hit upon something that really is going to work well for you. And I would like to see them adopt it full time. Yeah, Bill Belichick hasn't found a way to uh, to work the system yet. So as far as I know, there's there's no reason not to keep doing this. Yeah, it's it's just like it makes sense. It doesn't. I don't want to say punish, but it kind of does punish a guy if he gets injured for long enough. If he's going to miss, like the old rules, kind of punish a guy if he's going to miss like six weeks and a team has to make a roster decision and maybe they've brought guys back or even when a guy gets hurt. You know, if a guy gets hurt late in the season and to, to go on IR, that kind of ends his year, even if he could have come back after four or five weeks. I think that happened with Christian Kirksey a couple years ago. It, it just seems like this is a really player friendly thing. And, and honestly, probably kind of helps create a couple more jobs for the, <laughs> for the NFL PA because some practice squad guys will get opportunities and things like that. Yeah. I mean, look at, look at who has already benefited from it this year uh, for the Browns. There have been a number of guys uh, that have gone on it, and uh, that they've taken advantage of it. And it's, it's really helped them a lot. And as you guys mentioned, it, it also enabled another guy to, to step up and uh, kind of shine a little bit. And then the other guy comes back strong and fresh. Uh, it's, it's been tremendous. I mean, you know, Nick Chubb has been on IR. Uh, Kaderil Hodge has been on IR. Car you know, um, Ronnie Harrison. I mean, it's just been very, very useful. I think this goes hand in hand with expanding the practice squad too. you know, having those extra guys there and knowing that you can, you know, you're going to have maybe more people on IR over the course of a season than you normally might. Um, having those, that extra pool of players, you know, helps teams out. Yeah. It, it just, it feels like the NFL has, has kind of stumbled across something almost like the Browns honestly kind of stumbled into to trading for Ronnie Harrison you know, that to bring this back, I don't, that probably doesn't happen if Grant Delpit doesn't get hurt. And now maybe you've got a potential safety backfield for, you know, a few years, a couple young guys. I think back. so. I think, so. I, I think uh, that ideally they feel as though they've hit upon uh, their, their safety duo for the next how many ever years long-term. Uh, and I think they're really, really excited about that. I think they feel like they're really in good shape with, the size, the speed, the skill set. Uh, of course, you need Grant Delpit to come back healthy from the ruptured Achilles, but I think you know the chances of that are pretty good. So if that happens, they're in terrific shape, and I think that that was one of the best trades uh, that you know that was made throughout this entire uh, league year. Okay, I want to ask you guys a, a question about another guy on that Browns defense, and, and it's Miles Garrett. Um, you know, Miles, look, when I, when I went back and rewatched that game and, you know, you have to be a little careful. Maybe it's just because I was watching more closely or something. But, you know, we knew Miles was struggling. We, he told us about the coughing fit after the game. We knew how he sounded after the game. Just didn't sound like Miles, uh, you know, kind of clearing his throat over and over again, all that stuff. And then when you rewatch the game, you kind of see some moments where, okay, kind of looked like he was breathing a little heavier than normal after the game. 
the Browns ended that game on defense. And after the game, he was actually on the bench. Uh, when everybody went out to shake hands, he had to sit down on the bench for a couple minutes. You know, a little concerning, obviously, from, from a football side and also just from, you know, Miles the person side. They're not going to put him in danger. I believe that. So, you know, I, but I guess the question here is, should the Browns consider resting Miles Garrett? Uh, that's a little bit, you don't want to take the Jets for granted. I understand that. But is there any merit to the Browns saying, you know what, Miles, you take a week off. And, and let's see how you respond. You know, I, I don't know about necessarily taking a, a week off because I don't think he would want to do that. And I don't Probably think not. the, yeah, I don't think the Browns would want to be without him for that. Um, but, and not necessarily a pitch count, but maybe something like that. I think they probably have to back off on the snaps. I mean, he played 91% of the snaps in, in this past game. And that's kind of a lot for a guy who is obviously struggling. So since he's been back, he has been playing the majority of the snaps. And I think everyone just thought it's Miles Garrett. He's going to be totally fine when he comes back after two weeks off with COVID. I mean, look at him. He looks like he was chiseled from stone, right? Um, But he's struggling. He's obviously struggling. He's admitting it. I mean, he could barely get through the post-game press conference the other day without uh, coughing every two seconds. So, uh, And again, I watched him a little bit in practice. He looked pretty good in practice, but I mean, he's kind of, he's taking it easy here and there. And I think he needs to continue to do that during the game. Uh, So I would say go out there for a series, maybe come back out, come out for the next series, every other series kind of a thing, something like that. They clearly do not need Miles Garrett to beat the Jets. Um, But I agree with Mary Kay. I think maybe reducing his snaps might be the way to go if you're concerned about how it's, affecting him after the game. I mean, he's, he's basically played 50 snaps the last three games. Um, and we saw how that affected him after this last one. I, you know, if, if he wants to be out there for, for awards or for postseason or records or stuff like that, I think, I mean, the defensive player of the year thing, I think is it, he's not going to get that at this point. I think that ship has sailed and he's not, that's not there for, for him to get. Um, he needs five sacks to break the Brown single season record. Conceivably he could get maybe three of those against the jets, <laughs> I guess. I don't know. Um, but still that's five sacks over two games. That's, that's a lot. So, I mean, we're talking about things that are like either out of reach or you really got to be like miles Garrett at his best to get. So from that standpoint, I don't, if they came out and said, you know, we're going to have miles sit this game. I, I wouldn't, that wouldn't be a big deal to me, but at the same time, we're talking about 50 snaps and is it better for him to be out there getting that stamina versus not playing and resting his body? I don't know. I mean, they got trainers and doctors to figure that kind of thing out, but I think that's probably what you're weighing there. I don't know what's, what's best for him at this point. Yeah. I mean, unfortunately this isn't like the NBA where you could do like a load management situation and, and sit a guy for him because I mean, this is an important game and, and you'd hate to, to lose it because you didn't have miles out there. I don't think that would happen, but I mean, really what the Browns need is just to have like a three touchdown lead midway through the third quarter and just be able to, to play all the other guys, Porter Gustin and, and Adrian Claiborne and, and let miles sit out. Um, that that's definitely that, that I think that would help a lot of things. I will say this. I, I do think, you know, of all the organizations, kind of what we've learned about this one of all the organizations to trust with this situation I think it's probably this one. Um, 
they, they have tended to err on the side of caution a lot. And, and I don't think they're going to push a guy if they don't think that, that he can be pushed. No, especially not with COVID, you know, you know, maybe you would with, with something else. And there, there are plenty of guys on this football team that really uh, push the envelope when it comes to playing hurt. There are a lot of guys, Uh, but not, you can't mess with COVID. You know, there are too many unknowns and uh, you know, there are, are heart issues that these guys have to be watching for and being monitored about. So um, yeah, this is one where they obviously have to be careful because I, I think Miles is, um, I think he's, I think he's concerned about this. I think he's a little worried about this. I think it's, you know, I think it's in his head a little bit as, and that is completely understandable. Uh, so from that standpoint and the physical standpoint, I think they need to, uh, you know, kind of keep an eye on it. Okay. Uh, one more question I want to ask you guys in this segment. This is a fun one. Um, so <laughs> no injury talk, nothing like that. This is a fun one. Um, Ellis and you and me, Mary Kay, we kind of touched on this a little bit yesterday. And so I just want to make it a full topic here. Expectations for the Browns, right? They have a chance to win the AFC North this year. If it doesn't happen for them, okay. It doesn't happen for them. Well, you know, hopefully they still manage to make the playoffs and we'll see what happens after that. Going into next year though, without knowing what they're going to do this off season, without knowing all of that stuff, is it fair to expect the Browns to win the AFC North next year? I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say that is a fair expectation because when you have this group of players in, you'll have Baker Mayfield uh, in his fourth season, your number one overall pick in 2018 in his fourth season, in his second season in in the scheme. So, you know, he should be up and running and, and, you know, hitting the ground running right from the start. Um, you know, Miles in his prime, Denzel in his prime, Nick, Jarvis, the whole crew. I mean, that's the year that you really should be uh, trying to, to make it to the Super Bowl and win it. So absolutely, it is fair to expect them to win the AFC North. And in addition to everything that they have now, they will bolster the defense. So they will be a more complete football team. I think it's I think it's fair to expect the Browns to battle the Ravens for the division title. I think it's fair to expect up like late in the season, kind of like we are right now, that the Browns and the Ravens will both be fighting for the division lead. I don't think you go into next season thinking the Browns are the favorites necessarily. Um, But I think the playoffs might have a lot to do with like nationally, how people think about the Browns in those terms. You know, if the Browns win a playoff game, if the Ravens go one and done, you know, the Browns could be the kind of the darling of the off season like they were, you know, two years ago. Um, but I'm not going to expect them to win the division outright, no matter what happens in the playoffs. I think that the Ravens are still to be contended with, and I think it's going to be those two teams. But I, I think they'll be on more even footing though, than maybe we thought coming into this year, which mm-hmm. obviously right, with the way things have played out, that might seem strange, but I mean, you know, beginning of the year we were talking, gosh, could the Ravens go 14 and two again? Could they go, you know, they're going to, they might run away with this division and, you know, obviously they've had their issues and, you know, with the Browns, it was sort of, I mean, I picked them to go eight and eight, you know, 10 wins was, was kind of like, Oh, if they win 10, that's good. Um, so yeah, we're sort of in an unexpected place, but I think going into next year, we would at least expect them to be close to the Ravens. Um, and there is a chance that depending on how the offseason plays out, some, some sports book out there might favor them to win the AFC North. 
Well, not only that, Dan, they might have to be defending their their AFC title, right? <laughs> they might be defending it. So if they win it this year, for sure, everybody's going to expect them to win it next year. But one thing to keep in mind is the schedule is going to be tougher next year, especially if they do win <laughs> the AFC North. They're going to have that first place schedule. And I think it's going to be significantly tougher than what they had this year. Yeah, that's I, something I was actually going to mention real quick because the Browns are playing over expectation this year. If you look at point differential, they're still at minus six uh, net points this year. And generally what happens is teams that are around zero or have negative and have a lot of wins, the next year they might even out a little bit. That kind of comes back to the middle, you know? And like Mary Kay said, the schedule is going to get harder. So if they finish 12 and four this season, you know, it's, it could be nine and seven next year. They could have a really good team and we could think of them as maybe even a better, more consistent team, but you know, they're playing a tougher schedule and we're thinking of this year where they're kind of playing over their heads a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, they play the AFC West next year to begin with. So that of course includes Kansas city. Uh, that includes a, uh, a Chargers team that I think is nothing but upside. Um, you know, so Denver is always kind of tough. The Raiders will see what they do, but then they also play the first place team, or if they win the division, they would play the first place team in the AFC East and the first place team in the, uh, the AFC South. So um, that, yeah, that could get tough if they end up having to play a first place schedule or, you know, even a second place schedule, depending mm-hmm. on, on who's there. I'll say this though, you know, at some point, and, and this is actually, I think, a bigger discussion for the pod someday is contention windows, right? At some point, you know, you, you've got to look at this team and say, okay, that, that window's open. You've got to try and go win the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. And I think the reason that this offseason might push some of that forward is you already paid Miles Garrett. You're going to pay Denzel Ward you're going to pay Baker Mayfield at this point, based on what we've seen. So you're going to pick up that option and pay him. Um, All of a sudden you're starting to, your roster is getting to the point money wise, where if you're spending that much money on guys, you better be a Super Bowl contender. That doesn't mean it has to happen next year, but it means that window kind of it's there. You better take advantage of it. Yeah. I mean, to have just, just the, the money, as you mentioned uh, is one thing. And then the, the, where the guys are in their career as well, which goes along with where they are in their contracts, but to have miles going into his, his fifth year and Baker going into his fourth year, that that's the year. I mean, that, you know, that's when you have to strike when the iron is very, very hot. And so 100% that is where the bar should be set. And, and we know this team needs to make improvements on defense, but the good thing is we also know that they already have people there who are going to help that. We know Grant Delpit, you know, is there, we know Greedy Williams is there. We know Andrew Billings is there on the line. So those are three spots where they're going to get, you know, hopefully in their case players back and healthy. And it isn't a case of your starting, you know, you don't have as many spots, I guess, to address on defenses as it would seem just looking at this roster right now. You know what? This is way better than talking about the draft. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's so much better saying, Hey, should the Browns, should the Browns be expected to win the AFC North next year? Then uh, who should the Browns pick at number five? Absolutely. <laughs> I'll, uh, yeah. I'll take this question. All right. So that'll do it for this first segment of the pod. We're going to have Daryl Slater of NJ.com 
uh, to talk about the Jets. And also we've got picks coming up and we will have, uh, like I said, a little story time at the end for you on this kind of longer edition of the pod. But also if you, if you fly through this, I know today I got to watch the tape episode posted and Scott, since you're here with us right now, tell us uh, what, what you talked about. Uh, we dove into the Browns on fourth down. Not as good as you might think compared to uh, the rest, the way the rest of the offense is going. And Ellis really t- got into a red zone uh, offense and, and why the Browns have been so successful at that. Okay, so once you're done with this pod, go check that one out as well to get you all the way through to Sunday's game against the Jets. Mary Kay and Scott, thanks. And now we welcome on from NJ Advanced Media, nj.com slash Jets. That is our sister site, uh, Daryl Slater joining us. Daryl, how are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, thanks for joining us. So first of all, the big question is, how in the heck did it happen? How? <laughs> how did the Jets rise up and beat the Rams? Well, I mean, they, they got lucky, of course, and uh, and their, their defense played pretty well against, uh, against a Rams team that really has been so inconsistent at times this year. And it goes down as one of the biggest upsets in NFL history, really. I mean, the line was 17, and you don't see many of those games come around very often. And so, um, yeah, I think if you look at this Jets defense, they've played well in spurts this year. They've had, they have a couple good players. They have Quinn and Williams, really. He's, he's their only good player on defense, really good player. Uh, and Mekhi Beckton played, played pretty darn well uh, left tackle in that game too. So a couple glimmers of hope for the future for this team. But on the other hand, they're, they're probably not going to get Trevor Lawrence now. So Jets fans were, I wouldn't even say conflicted. They were furious that they won that game. So you, you mentioned the Trevor Lawrence thing and, and a lot of what I've seen in people talking about this game as well, since they aren't going to get Trevor Lawrence, do they stick with Sam Darnold? Is, is that even a reality that they could decide to, to continue on with Darnold if they don't end up falling back into that number one pick? Yeah, definitely. I think it's possible because Joe Douglas has to look at this and say, okay, what do I think of Justin Fields, a guy who's been inconsistent at Ohio state. And then as, as folks in your area know, um, and then, go down the list. So Trey Lance, Zach Wilson, the other two top quarterbacks, are they worth taking at number two? That's a thought. Can you trade back, get more draft assets and maybe get one of those guys in the middle of the first round or stay at number two and get a, a different type of prospect. The Sewell kid, the, the tackle uh, from Oregon who could be a bookend for Mackay Becton. So there's some, what do you do? I, I think, look, Darnold's not the answer. He's not. Um, they're not going to pick up his fifth year option for 2022 because it's fully guaranteed now with these 2018 draft picks with a new CBA. So that's the rub there. Um, I think ideally they would, they would trade Donald and get something for him. Then maybe bring in like a bridge type quarterback in 2021, like a veteran type um, and maybe try to draft a quarterback. And this is another option, draft a quarterback, not in the first round. Those guys have worked out. I mean, look at Dak Prescott, right? And um, maybe let him have the, the new quarterback who, if he's not the second overall pick, let him have a, a year or so to develop under a veteran. So there's some, there's some options here. It's not a no brainer any, any longer, like it would have been with Lawrence at one. So when you, when you say that Sam Darnold is not the answer, is there any thought there to the fact that, you know, maybe he can be salvaged and what's going to happen with Adam Gase and, you know, in the event that they make a switch there, does that give new life to Sam? I mean, are you guys up there? Not you necessarily, but are the Jets 100% certain that Sam is not the guy? 
I think there's probably hope within the organization because he's an earnest kid who's really tried to do this right. He's done everything right in terms of, of putting in the, the effort and the work. He's had struggles with injuries, but he's been able to rebound from those. He's shown flashes. Like he played pretty darn good in that game in LA last week. And those are the things that you've seen from him, but the decision-making and the turnovers have been so problematic on the flip side of that. He hasn't had a lot of help. He really hasn't in terms of the offensive line, in terms of the weapons. And you look at Denzel Mims, uh, a promising receiver who they just drafted out of Baylor, um, has not been healthy for a lot of the years. So then you say, okay, what does he do when he has all of his weapons um, on the field? And he's obviously better. So yeah, maybe this is a guy who can be a, you know, above average starter in the NFL and you can win with him. If you have a lot of good pieces around him, there's certainly been situations like that. Right. So um, you don't, not everybody has to be like this elite quarterback prospect, but um I think the notion that he's ever going to be this uh, a true star is, is not realistic. So then they have to figure out, can, can we maybe win with a guy who's not like that? Um, and next year, next year is really it for him. I just don't see any way they pick up the option for 2022. Um, but like I said, there's so many moving parts to this deal. I think he's given them some, some hope, right? It's not like a true lost cause like Geno Smith, but um, I just, you haven't seen enough, like from a cynical point of view, like, like we have to have, I, I don't, I haven't seen enough from him to say like, this is, this guy's going to be something special. Yeah. You know, it's interesting to kind of hear you talk about him because obviously those are conversations that Mary Kay and I have had uh, and, and other people have had about, you know, Baker Mayfield for a while. Um, and then he was finally put in a situation that fit so many of his strengths with Darnold is a lot of it just that maybe he hasn't had the sort of obviously talent, but just maybe the scheme fit and, and things like that. Cause I know Adam Gase is really big on running out that 11 personnel as much as possible. Does that just not fit what Sam Darnold is? I think it's a lot of that type of stuff, the square peg round hole uh, type of problems that they've had, because this is a complex offense that, that Gase has really not adjusted too much to this quarterback. Right. So Darnold's really good throwing on the run, moving, out of the pocket, rolling out. You saw that like from his rookie year when there were flashes of potential there. Like you said, Gase is sort of married to this system. If the the Jets can hit the jackpot and bring in a coach like maybe Eric Bieniemy, like the Browns did with Kevin Stefanski, um, who can harness what skills this guy has and, and channel that into a, a more productive offense, maybe there's a chance I think that he could be more productive, but I mean, you look at Mayfield, he really had in 18, a type of year that Darnold ha- hasn't had. So you kind of knew like, okay, there's something here. Obviously last year with Freddie kitchens, you know, the production was, was lackluster and now it's back. So I, I don't know if it's as uh, uh, sure of a thing with Darnold that that, that, that could be kind of not even rediscovered, but discovered with a new coach um, entering now the fourth year. So I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm skeptical, but I think certainly Gase has not done him any favors. He really hasn't. It's been, a, it's been a disaster. So all around. Yeah. It would be interesting. I think to see him in this, when you talk about him, you know, rolling out, throwing on the, throwing on the run. I mean, that, those are the kinds of things that Baker does well. And he is flourishing in this Mike Shanahan, Kyle Shanahan, uh, you know, play action based friendly quarterback friendly scheme. So it will be interesting to see how that plays out. Cause obviously Browns fans, really wanted Sam Darnold. Yeah. Uh, my other question right now is Quinnen Williams. I mean, it looks like he's out. He's not going to play. And I don't know. Can Are they going to be able to do anything against this 
high-powered Browns offense without Quinn and Williams? Probably not. I mean, he's been such a such a revelation this season. He really did not play well last year as a rookie. And then you have to wonder, is this a guy who can pressure the pocket, who can move uh, a quarterback off his spot, or is he just a, a run stuffer? And this year he came out and proved it in a huge way. I mean, seven sacks, and but he's coming off a concussion and a neck injury. They, they shut him down for the year. They put him on IR, so he's done for the year. Sounds like he'll be okay for the future, but um, just done for the year, obviously not going to be able to play in this game. And so that's that's significant. I mean, I think you saw last week and everyone saw with the Giants uh, what Baker Mayfield did <laughs> in tearing apart their secondary. I you know, covered the Giants too, so I watched every bit of that game and saw – like he sliced and diced that defense because they weren't able to do anything in terms of, in terms of getting to him. So, or in terms of coverage either, which is another issue with the jets uh, that they've had for years now. Uh, but yeah, I, I Quinn and Williams, the best player by far in their defense. Now that Jamal Adams is gone, that CJ Mosley opted out. Um, so yeah, I think Marcus May is a guy in the secondary who can help a little bit in coverage. You saw, he made that insane play. I don't know how many people watching this saw that play, in LA at the end of that game, like he's a really good player. He's a really good free safety, but I don't know how much of a difference he's going to make with Baker Mayfield, just sitting back there for three, four, five seconds, picking apart this defense. So of course, with the situation the jets are in, you know, obviously it is all about Joe Douglas. It's all about those draft assets and, and what he can do kind of moving forward. So what is the confidence level moving forward with this team? You know, assuming they go a different direction at, at head coach, and, and they really kind of put all those, those draft assets and things to use. What's the confidence in Joe Douglas and kind of how quickly he could maybe start to turn this? I think fans have, have put so much ire on Adam Gase that they think of Joe Douglas as like the savior. Like, okay, once, once the incompetent Adam Gase is out of the way, oh, Joe Douglas is going to fix everything when we have a, a new head coach. Well, maybe, right? But like you said, he has to hit on these draft picks. And the Jamal Adams trade was a big part of getting a huge – piece of draft capital not only for 2021 but 2022 so like these two drafts are are just he staked his job to him basically this is a guy who as it you know as it turned out he had a pretty solid first draft because remember they they hired him after the draft in 19 um and becton's been a pretty darn good player um and the guy across town andrew thomas with the giants has not so it looks like you know all all these tackles have, have done pretty well uh, and Becton especially um, except, except Andrew Thomas, but um, they hit on Mims. I think they, they feel really good about Mims uh, on the flip side of that though, is Douglas by his own admission, just made a bad decision letting Robbie Anderson walk for the type of money he got in Carolina and what he's doing this year. I mean, they really could have used him and not having him just killed Sam Darnold. And they replace him with Brashad Perryman, which is like just horrible. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I think it's a bit of a mixed bag for Joe Douglas, but remember it's like only one off season. So he has to hit on these draft picks. He has to. And like the decision at number two is, is going to be just enormous for, for whether he's the guy going forward. And obviously they have a lot of other draft assets, but I think the fan, so that's a skeptic in, in me and in a lot of people who cover the team, the fan base, like so desperately wants this guy to be the guy. Cause you're talking about a team that, um, after they made the AFC championship game in 2010 has not done like anything except for the one year in 15, when they lose in Buffalo at the end of the year and miss the playoffs in Todd Bowles first year. So it's been a, like a brutal decade and, and Browns fans obviously can relate, right? You always think the next guy is going to be the savior and then someone's got to be the scapegoat. So Gase has been the scapegoat. Joe Douglas is the savior, but we'll see, I think. 
when you look at this game, what do you what do you see happening in this game? I mean, we just uh, in our picks pod kind of kicked around the idea. Uh, the Browns are favored by nine and a half in this game. Uh, do you think it's going to be close? I mean, what what are your thoughts on how this will play out? I think I I think it will not be close. Um, I think I was really impressed with. I, I had not watched a lot of Browns games this year, but I was really impressed with what they did last week against the Giants. And and you know, set aside the fact that Colt McCoy really, you know, you don't have much of a chance when he's out there. Nice enough guy, but you know, obviously not a legit NFL starter. Certainly not at this point in his career. But um, yeah. Like I, I was really impressed with Baker Mayfield. I, I think it had been, I yeah, I covered the first game that that he played in when he replaced Tyrod Taylor in that crazy yeah. night when they broke open the the Bud Light cases. Remember yeah. that? It was like forever ago. And the, yeah. that was the Jets, the Jets, and they collapsed in that game. And um, it seemed like the Jets and Browns have played like every year now for the last few years. But um, the development that he has made has been so impressive and, and that, and what he's done under Stefanski has been just so impressive that I, I don't see any way that the Jets secondary, you're going to see a lot of similar numbers, I think, to what Mayfield did last week against that giant secondary without James Bradbury, because even without James Bradbury, the giant secondary is probably better than what the Jets are going to trot out there on Sunday, which is not, not very impressive. Maybe one of the, maybe the worst secondary in the league. And then no Quinn and Williams. I just, and I don't see any way Sam Darnold can keep pace with that unless somehow some fluky stuff happens. Will they cover the nine and a half? Um, I think probably, but um, I think that, I think that line should be bigger. I mean, if the, if the jets had lost like they should have in, in LA, then that you'd probably be looking at a 13 or something like that. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think that Brown should have no problem beating this this Jets team and moving toward the playoffs well I, I want to ask you one more thing because this popped into my head when you mentioned the Giants and, and maybe the answer to this is as simple as let's see what the Jets do with the number two pick but the two teams that play in that stadium I, I guess who do you see having the brighter future right now that's like the big conversation around here right I mean even though Jets and Giants aren't rivals I mean it's a it's a big conversation because they're both in rebuilding mode and they both have a young quarterback um, the, the fascinating thing about it is even though the jets have kind of already decided like, okay, or people can look at the jets and decide like Donald's probably not the guy Jones is obviously going to get one more year to prove maybe he is the guy. So while the, the jets have a, a definitively negative quarterback situation and the giants are still jury out on Daniel Jones, uh, the amount of cap space that the jets have going into next year in a year when a lot of teams are going to be really pinched for cap space is super advantageous for Joe Douglas and the, the draft capital also big time advantageous. The giants are middle of the pack in cap space. Um, you know, probably, I think t- if you look at those tankathon power rankings for the draft, uh, I think they're like 10th or 11th, which is right in line of with where they're picking in the first round. Um, Dave Gettleman has not done a great job of bringing in free agents. So I think you look at that if you're a giants fan and say, do we trust this guy? They, they might fire him. I think you can make a case that they should, uh, so in some ways it's one team, in some ways it's the other team. So who probably has the, the, the better path? I probably would say the Giants because they just have a more talented roster. I mean, James Bradbury has been a great signing. Blake Martinez has been a really good signing for as many misses as Dave Gettleman has. I mean, the Jets had the least talented roster in the league. So Joe Douglas doesn't have – he has tons of cap space, tons of draft capital. He just has like zero players. So I think right. that's a major issue. Um but 
he's he's it, it, it he's got the ability to fix it. It's certainly better than having like no players and then also no cap space and draft capital. So uh, the Jets are farther away, I would say. Yeah, even though the Giants are not, as you saw last week, not very good. All right, that is Daryl Slater, uh, NJ Advanced Media. You can see all their coverage at nj.com slash Jets. And you can also follow him on Twitter. It's at Daryl Slater. That's Daryl with two R's. Daryl, appreciate you taking the time. Sure thing. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, thanks so much. We appreciate it. And Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Take care. All right, it is time for our weekly picks pod where we bring in our picks crew. I'm going to introduce everyone. We will start with Ellis, still in the lead at 30. 28 and a key number here, two, 30, 28 and two. Ellis, you and I were actually both team push this week. It should have been the Ellis Williams push lock of the week uh, on that Chiefs Saints game. We were on opposite sides of it. We end up tied one, two and one last week, Ellis. Dan, that's the beauty of a push. Even though we disagreed (laughs) and we were at each other's throats about this game, the game finishes and we both get our money back with a great push. So people make fun and wonder why I like the push. It's because you get to enjoy the game and there's no damage afterwards. So congratulations, Dan, and finding your first push of the year. It's a great feeling, isn't it? It's, it's kind of an addiction. I'm kind of hoping for another one this week, if, if we're go. being honest. <laughs> um, I, am, uh, I had a 2-1-1 one, one week, so that push kind of saved me from another 500 week. I'm 28-31-1. and one. Uh, Doug Lay Maurice is here three and one last week, Doug, 28 and 32 overall. And my pick of the year, that smooth <laughs> Bengals plus 13 against the fallen Steelers. Catch a fallen Steeler. <laughs> Mary Kay is here and four and oh last week. Mary Kay now up to 23 and 29 on the year, but uh, starting to heat up a little bit because I think you had a strong week the week before too. Yeah, well, that's going to all change because I just made my picks in the last 30 seconds <laughs> when I sat down here to do this. So I'm, I'm going to guess that you're not going to dispute my results from last week this time around. That you're going to let that four, you're going to let that four and oh stand. I'm not, but I still have uh, Deloitte and Touche looking into the previous <laughs> 13 weeks. Well, <laughs> I'm waiting for the subpoena to show up at my door. <laughs> uh, and our texters, uh, last week it was Stephen Aurora, who, by the way, Send us a baby picture, Stephen. If you're out there listening, uh, great picture. You've got the youngest, cutest Browns fan in history, so we appreciate that. Oh, uh, a picture and- of his baby, not of himself as a baby? No, a picture of his baby. Oh, I was like, why is a texter sending a picture of himself <laughs> as a baby? Is this some kind of contest? That makes more sense. Well, maybe it will be at one point. Uh, he went 3-1 and one last week, so uh, our Football Insider subscribers needed that one. They are up to 25-35 and 35 and making the picks this week. Bob Hollis, we're just going to call him Hollis. Hollis, how you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for inviting me. Absolutely. All right, let's get right to it. Ellis, I'm tired of leading off with you, but we have to because you're still sitting here in the lead, so you get to, to kick us off. I'm getting a little worried. Mary Kay just went 4-0. Doug's gaining some ground. I almost think we should add a rule maybe for next year where if you pick the double-digit underdog when they win, you get two. And you know I'm not Team Doug, but I mean, Doug, you almost deserve more time here. Great rule. Totally back that rule. I think we should go – I think we should start each week with the person that had the best record. (laughs) Well, there we go. All right. 
Mary Kay, you've convinced me. Kick us off with your pick you just made 30 seconds. <laughs> I mean, it's just getting boring to start with Ellis every <laughs> single week, isn't it? Let's mix it up a little bit. All right, give come us up. game one. I came up off the mat. My goodness, <laughs> I deserve something for this. <laughs> All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start off with a game I think a lot of us are, are interested in this week, uh, and that is uh, Miami versus the Raiders. Uh, the Dolphins are favored by three. I think they can pull that off. I think that they have a lot to play for this week. They've got a lot, a lot to play for. Uh, so much is on the line. It's going to be a tough game for them, uh, but they can keep it rolling and roll into the postseason. So I, I think that they're going to cover this. So Dolphins minus three. Uh, I've got this game too. Same pick actually, Dolphins minus three. I don't trust that Raiders defense at all. Now, Derek Carr was a full participant in practice today, so that's obviously a good sign. I think that Dolphins defense is really good. And Brian Flores is an absolute monster of a head coach. Uh, I think the Dolphins uh, cover that game. The Raiders are going the wrong direction. The Dolphins are going the right direction. Uh, second week in a row, I'm going to ride the Dolphins, and I'll, I'll take the points on that one too. Anybody else have this one? Yeah, this is Hollis. I also picked that game. Uh, I'm going to go with the Raiders plus three. Uh, I kind of like what I saw from them last week. And uh, I didn't know that about uh, their quarterback. I thought Marietta was still going to play, but because uh, I was impressed with what he did last week. But, uh, and I'm also going with my heart, too. I, I'd like to see the Raiders pull it off just to, so we can kind of rest easy watching the games on Sunday. So, anyway. Yeah, that, that one's a Saturday game. So if the, if the Raiders pull that one off, it just becomes Browns go win and, and you're in the playoffs. You get to, to kind right. of celebrate a little bit on Sunday. Ellis, did you have this one? It looks like you want to jump in here. So I'm also on this game, and you know when we all land on the same side of something, our track record on that. It, it, I guess I almost was thinking of switching mid-pick if Hollis was going to land that way. And I agree with you, Hollis, that Marcus Mariota starting is much more interesting than Derek Carr trying to tough it out in that situation. Regardless of what happens, um, I was wrong about the Dolphins last week. They were able to establish a run on the Patriots. Tua's making plays against a challenging defense. Now he faces a Raiders team that really can't stop much, especially the run game. They have no ability on the outside to establish an edge there. So give me the Dolphins minus three, even though it's in Vegas. But again, no fans. I don't think home field really makes a difference if we're talking regular season or in the future playoffs. So Dolphins minus three in Las Vegas. Doug, were you on this game? I'm out. Okay. I, I am not as interested in the games this week with like super important playoff ramifications because I don't know like – are the Dolphins going to rise to the occasion? Are they going to shrink with the pressure on? Are the Raiders going to revel in playing spoiler when they thought they were going to be in the race themselves and now they're kind of not anymore? I'm out. I'm staying away. Fair enough. So give us your first game, Doug. So this one, I think, is a matchup of the two ends of the NFL spectrum right now. I'm going to take Kansas City minus 10.5 over Atlanta. Atlanta has just blown so many games. The Chiefs have played so many close games. I think maybe this is just the point where it's like the Falcons are exhausted from blowing so many leads. The Chiefs are tired of playing close games. And now this is the week where the Chiefs are like, okay, we're going to make sure we're geared up for the playoffs. Maybe you do this and then you, you can rest everybody in the last week of the season, but you go out by winning this one by 40. And I think the Falcons are just tired of being close and coming up short. So I think this is an easy, like 
42-21 kind of game. So I'll give 10 and a half and take the Chiefs. So I'm going the other way on this one. Um, I'm going the Falcons because the Falcons can score a little bit still. And I, there's just something there's something weird about the Chiefs this year and these spreads and, and covering them. I, I don't know what their record is against the spread, but it feels like whenever I pick the Chiefs, I get burnt by it. Um, I don't know if they're bored. I don't know if they just kind of know they can do whatever they want. Uh, it just seems to me like this is a game that they'll – another one of those games that they'll just kind of they'll go and win, but it might be a little closer than, than we expect. Um, so I'm, I'm actually going with the Falcons plus the 10 and a half. I think if that number were a little smaller, I wouldn't, I'd, I'd just stay away from this game, but I, I could see that game being like a nine point game or even a 10 point game. Um, when, when all is said and done, one of those games where the chiefs build a big lead. And even though the Falcons aren't normally this team, maybe they get a couple cheap touchdowns later or something. I'm not on this game. When Doug made his pick, I was like, oh, yeah, I agree with Doug. You know, Tom Brady threw for like 324 yards in the second half alone against Atlanta last week. But then, Dan, you made some good points, too, where the Chiefs have played, you know, a one-score game, it feels like, every week this year. So maybe it's just Tom Brady, and he has a thing with coming back in the second half against Atlanta. So it's an interesting game, and it's going to be interesting to see how it lands because I'm not sure which one this is. I'll, I'll tell you what, if I were, if I were putting real money on this game, I would never put any real money behind Atlanta and I would never put any real money against the chiefs. So this is the ultimate for entertainment purposes only uh, pick that I've got. So Ellis, what is your second game? All right. So let's get this one out of the way. I'm in Minnesota right now. It's a blizzard out here. The Vikings are coming off back to back disappointing losses. They lost at home against Chicago last week. Uh, David Montgomery, the Bears running back, ran for like 124 yards against a Vikings front that cannot establish anything inside a secondary that's questionable. So that's a long way of me saying I have the Saints minus seven and a half. This number was originally seven. And when I saw the half this afternoon, I was a little disappointed, but still a lot of history between these teams, a get right game for the Saints here after playing the Chiefs really close in that second half. For anyone that doesn't remember, even though anyone listening to this podcast probably does play off football, the history between the Vikings and the Saints runs deep. First, the Minneapolis Miracle two years ago, then knocking off the Saints at the one seed last year. Sean Payton's really going to be up for this game and going to want to blow Minnesota out of the water. The Vikings don't have anything to play for right now. Saints minus seven as Drew Brees continues to get right into playoff form. I agree, but I see it at six and a half. Dan, what, what do we have this at? Oh, I'm looking check. at six and a half. And the we... other part of this is the Saints yeah, have lost. The Saints have lost two in a row. So the right. Saints need to get right before the playoffs. They got upset by the Eagles. They lost a tight game for, to the Chiefs. Drew Brees is back. It's time for the Saints to pull everything together and get right this week. And Ellis is pumping his fists. We'll both take this. Now we'd, all they have to do is win by a touchdown, and we're cashing our fake money. So Doug, you got that. this one too, Saints minus six and a half? Yes. All right. This is, uh, this is going quick here. Uh, Mary Kay, give us your second game. Uh, well, you know what? I think uh, I think it's time to jump into this game. Colts and Steelers. <laughs> yes. And Steelers. Can we just stick the fork in the Steelers now? I think, I think Doug already has. I mean, I will tell you what. Well, when, I, when I debated you guys, our little debate that we had <laughs> a week ago, I never in a million years thought that the Steelers would fall so precipitously to lose to Ryan Finley and the Bengals. 
No, I just did not think that that was going to happen. I, I, I really didn't. And as the weeks went by, they just got worse and worse and worse. I should have known when they almost got beat by the Ravens JV team. 23 people on the COVID list and the score was 19 to 14. I should have known. But Philip is playing well. Uh, there's This is only one and a half points. And I, I think that's, to me, I didn't really have a really hard time picking the Colts to cover. Hollis, was this one you had? Yeah, definitely one I had. Uh, I try to pick games that were relevant to where we're at. I, I was going to say, you're picking all the all the ones that have to do with the Browns. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, yeah, I went with the Colts as well. Uh, I think the uh, the Steelers are done. Like Mary Kay said, it's time to stick a fork in them. Uh, you know, I was listening to some people debating there. there were, they were hoping the Steelers would win so the Browns would – you know, clinch up at least a playoff spot and, you know, a division. The Browns will beat the Steelers following week. There is no way they lose that game. If they did, they don't belong in the playoffs anyway. So you've got to go out winning your last two games to get ready for the playoffs. Colts win. Browns win the next week. Browns win the division. That's mm-hmm. where we're going. Have, have we discussed that? I did not realize that scenario exactly. Maybe I'm slow until looking <laughs> at these picks. That really, if you're a Browns fan, okay, so if Miami wins on Saturday, because if Miami loses and the Browns win, they're in. So say Miami wins on Saturday, and the Browns and the is play, are playing at the same time as the Steelers and the Colts. If the Steelers win that game and the Browns beat the Jets, the Browns are in the playoffs. Yes. Correct. But their shot at the division is out. If, if the Colts win that game, the Browns' chance at a division stays open, but so does the possibility of them missing the playoffs entirely. Right. So it's it's bird in the hand and two in the bush. Yep. Hollis, you're saying you would take the risk of let's play the Steelers to win the division and knowing that if the Browns lose, they might be out. You would take that over the guaranteed playoff spot. Definitely. I, I wonder. I, I think it's a moot point. Because I think the Browns are going to win that last game come hell or high water. And that's just the way it's going to be. I think the fans will run out and help them win the game. (laughs) Which is, like, lovely to say, and I get it. But also, like, what if, you know, what if the Steelers kick a 56-yard field goal in the last – I mean, it's not like we're strangers to terrible Browns endings. Anything can happen. But you look at it this way. You don't want to lose the last game, and you're in as a wild card. Why not? You're in the playoffs. Who cares if you lose? You're in the playoffs. I don't. If I think if you lose to the Steelers at home, the way they've been playing, you're not going very far in the playoffs. No, that's there's not. That's not true at all. You could definitely lose to the Steelers, have a bad week, and then win the next two playoff games. I'm not. I'm just. I'm very intrigued about how brands, how Browns fans would think about this. There's a debate. Yeah. Like there is, it's been a debate like on the radio here and stuff like that. Yeah. It's, it's, it's definitely uh, something that, that people are talking about. It would make a good, uh, a, sur- a good survey. Listen, texters. Si- sign me up right now for the Hollis and Doug podcast. Cause I would absolutely listen to that. <laughs> hey, can be- this, I, I think in a lot of years you would make that case. The only thing that would make me nervous is even if you're confident the Browns can beat the Steelers. And I think we all are, man, what if like, your quarterback room has to go into quarantine or something crazy like that happens. 
Well, you know, uh, there's one thing you have to remember is the following, that's the following week, the, the, the Sunday that the Browns play the Steelers, the Dolphins also have to go and play the Bills in Buffalo. So, you know, and, and Buffalo is probably going to be wanting to win to stay in the second seed, if you will, and you know that kind of scenario. So they're probably not going to be in a position to rest guys and that kind of thing. So, you know, they still got a chance, even if they would lose to the Steelers, of sneaking in the back door with the Bills beating the Dolphins. So, well, the the other sure. part of this is I'm too old for Sunday night football right now. I just I can't do another yeah. Sunday night game, even if it's for the AFC North title. Uh, but are, are they going to flex that to Sunday night? It wouldn't surprise me. We'll, we'll, we'll kind of right. see what they decide. Hollis, you gave me a good segue though into my third pick when you mentioned um, you mentioned the Bills. I am I went against the red hot Buffalo Bills last last week, and I just got destroyed. I mean, you got destroyed. That thing was over in the first quarter. I am riding with the red hot Buffalo Bills this week, even against the Pats. Because look, I took the Dolphins against the Pats last week. I just, I'm not buying the Pats at all any, anymore. I know it's so late in the year, who cares? But I'm just, to me, the Pats just don't have it. Cam Newton doesn't have it. Whatever he did at the beginning of the year, long gone. The Pats don't have anybody on defense right now. They can make games interesting. But I just, I'm going to ride with the red hot Buffalo Bills and Josh Allen. Minus seven. That is a big line, but minus seven over the New England Patriots too. I know the Patriots are officially out of the playoffs, but this is kind of the, the final kick right here. Like you're already out and now you're going to lose to the Buffalo Bills by a touchdown. Uh, so I'm taking the Bills minus seven. I feel like you've bet, bet the, I, like you have the Bills every week, one way or the other. <laughs> I might, yeah, yeah. Am I <laughs> right possible. about that? Yeah, I didn't play this game, but, but I agree with you. I, I think the Bills will cover that one. So, Hollis, why don't you give us your third game? Okay, my third game is uh, Titans at Packers. Uh, it is Sunday night. Is that Sunday night? Yes, I, I think yeah. it is. Yep. And uh, I'm going with the Packers because, you know, they're going to need to win. Uh, they clinched the division, but not home field. So, uh, and they're in that the catbird seat now. So, I don't see them losing. And uh, I think they're going to beat the Titans and cover, cover the spread there. All right, so Packers minus three. I looked at this game. I eyeballed this game. I would have gone the same way, uh, just having seen that Tennessee secondary and pass rush up close. I, Aaron Rodgers should be able to feast on that. Was anybody else on this one? No? All right, so let's go. Uh, Ellis, what's your third? So just like it seems like Dan is on the Bills one way or the other each week, I really have been on the Rams and the right weeks this so far this year, and I'm going to hopefully keep that going. Uh, just like Kevin Stefanski and the Browns, Sean McVay and the Rams have not lost back-to-back games this year. So despite the Rams coming off a game <laughs> where they lost as 17-point home favorites to the New York Jets, who, of course, the Browns play this week, I'm taking the Rams in a pick em. I'm pretty sure this game's in Seattle. Regardless, I'm still taking the Rams in a pick em. Seattle's defense struggles in general, but in a, against, in a Sean McVay game plan, I think that they're going to be able to get what they want out of that. And again, the fact that they haven't lost back-to-back games, I'm confident in McVay getting this team to bounce back. I told Dan this on Sunday night. I was during our three hour airport delay headed to <laughs> the Giants game. We had some time to kill. So I was thinking about the NFC and I was like, you know what, let me tweet out that the Rams are Super Bowl contenders. And then they proceeded to lose <laughs> 
to the Jets that day. And I have no reason to volunteer this information, yet here I am saying I think the Rams can get to the Super Bowl despite losing to the Jets last week. I think they beat Seattle and get back on track. Well, Ellis, I got a little Christmas present for you. I can give you one and a half points on that game. Rams plus one and a half. These lines must have all flipped in like the two-hour difference. Between yeah, between whatever we like. Yeah, <laughs> I'm cool with that, though. Started the pod. Um, again, another one I kind of eyeballed. Seattle is so random. They're so hard yeah. to figure out right now. Um, so there we go. Uh, Doug, what's your third? I think the air's out of the balloon for the Bengals. I think they left everything they had <laughs> on the, f- the field against the Steelers. Uh, short week. We've all been tricked by – we, we all think the Texans are better than they are because Deshaun Watson is famous and Deshaun is because Deshaun Watson is good and like most other parts of their team are not, but I'm going to fall for it again. I just think the Bengals have, they, there's just nothing. They'll be a shell of themselves. Ryan Finley will be like eight for 31 and people will be like, how did they beat the Steelers? And then the Texans will, will go beat them 31 to six. So I'm given minus eight and taking the Texans over Cincinnati. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, Mary Kay, what's your third? Uh, I am, this one has no bearing on on anything, and uh, it's kind of a boring pick, but I'm picking it because it was a big line, and I just don't, I just don't see it. It is Detroit Lions versus Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They're favored by nine and a half. I'm going to take the Lions and the points. I, I, they've, they've had some spirited games. I think Matthew Stafford is playing in this game, isn't he? Does anybody know? I haven't seen. I mean, he played last week. Yeah, we thought he wasn't going to play last week. So it's, yeah, yeah. So I, I, you know, I think he came through that just fine. Um, and I think they're going to give him a, a better fight than than that. So I'm, I'm going with the uh, the Lions and the points there. Best story of the NFL. This year, most interesting story is the Lions interim head coach and the front office firing their special teams coach this week because he called a fake punt without telling the head coach. Yes. And that <laughs> special teams coach is the son of Ohio State defensive coordinator, Kerry Combs. It's Braden Combs, who was a scout with the Bengals. I know Braden a little bit. He's a really good guy. He's like an up and coming coach. And like the interim head coach, he just he called a fake punt and didn't tell his boss in a real NFL game. Stones, man. I can't believe it. He'll be fine. I, what a story, though. I love Maybe it. that happened in the uh, Giants-Browns game, and <laughs> we just never heard about it. <laughs> yeah. It sounds like something I'd do. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm not sure it's a negative. I'm not sure, Hollis. I mean, if you're doing that, I want to hire you. I want to hire the guy who calls his own fake punt without telling anybody. Exactly. I'm telling you, sign me up for this Doug and Hollis podcast. I am on board. And now it is time to pick our Browns game. Dan Lobby, Mary Kay Cabot, Doug Maurice, Ellis Williams, and football insider subscriber Bob Hollis. We call him Hollis. We are going to go with the line at the Browns favored by nine and a half points. But I do need to say before we get there, this is the game on this podcast we were just destined to pick. The Jets have been a running theme throughout the podcast every single week. Picking against the New York Jets has become a favorite thing of many of us throughout the season. I know it got me some cheap wins early in the year before I stopped doing it. So this is just this is just destiny that finally here we all are having to pick the Jets game against the Browns. So, Hollis, you are our Football Insider subscriber. You get to go first. All right, thanks. Uh, I'm picking the Browns, of course. What? 
Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I got a score of 31 to 6. I think it's it's not even going to be in question. So a lot of confidence in the Browns. They've been throwing it. They're due, and they've been showing showing the way. So it's going to be a, a laugher, as they say. I I wish I could argue the other way. I, I can't. Um, not that I would pick the Jets, but I wish I could argue that it would be closer than, than that. I just can't. I can't make this interesting. Just like I don't think this game is going to be very interesting. Uh, I've got the Browns covering that nine and a half easy. And honestly, my score that I had in mind is pretty close to what you were thinking. Something along the lines of 30 to 10, 30 to 13, something like that. I just think this is going to be a game. This team has given me no evidence that they would come out flat in a game like this and not just take care of business and do what they're supposed to do. So to me, I think the Browns minus nine and a half is just, I hate to say a, a line is easy. This one feels easy. Browns minus nine and a half. Uh, Ellis, what are you thinking? Yeah, for the Browns to to land on the other side of this, the like you said, Dan, the Browns would have to show something they haven't been this year. The only example or, or a product we can look at would be the two-point escape in Jacksonville, but that was a different team then. Baker Mayfield was missing a couple wide-open options in that game, and last week he set the franchise record for completion percentage. He's not that quarterback that he just was, what, three weeks ago. And in defensively, I think the Jaguars have more options, you know, better younger talent than the Jets do. And then on top of that, Miles Garrett will be playing in this game. And he obviously he wasn't there in Jacksonville. So considering that comp, and I know the Jets just came off of a, a nice win. If this, if the Giants Browns game would have been closer the way I, I, I thought it may have been, then I would feel a little differently about this game, but to only allow six points, in that stadium already, I don't see the Jets breaking 13 or 17. Maybe they don't get to double digits. So nine and a half, of course, a big number, but similar game plan, more possessions this game too. I think, you know, it's more of a 10, 11 possession type of game rather than the odd seven possessions each we saw last week. So give me the Browns covering win winning handily. There's just been nothing that this team has shown when they have an opportunity to have a low point, an excuse to lay down and just, look past to the next week and if there is a trap game on the schedule it's this one I mean the division could be on the line in week 17 and here they have the New York Jets it's probably a good thing they won last week honestly with all that being said it's the Browns minus nine and a half I, I don't really see how you can land a, a different side of this Doug I'm trying to read your face here I don't know if you want to throw a wrench into things or not <laughs> I got three words for you sucker line Sucker line because of all the stuff you just said. And by the way, here's the wrench in the stuff is that it's still the Browns defense. I don't know. I'm not, the Browns not going to score it. I'll score. Let's not get too fooled by the incompetence of the giants last week who were playing Colt McCoy and had their backup play caller in. So I know the jets are terribly coached, but Sam Darnold somewhere deep inside his body, it's hidden under layers of agony and incompetence right now. But there is some talent in there. I would stay away from this game if we didn't have to pick it. I'm not, I mean, for real, you're going to put money on the Jets. My God, I always say that on the Ohio State podcast. You're going to put American cash, hard-earned American cash on Rutgers? Like, that's what people do? Really? Like, that's a thing that a, that a person would do? So, no, I'm not going to pick this. I'm going to take the, the Browns minus nine and a half. But, man... 
I could see the Jets scoring 24 against this Browns defense. Miles Garrett, not himself still. I don't know. I mean, I'm not – that's – he's just not. Maybe this is the week he is, but he's still not. And then the Browns have the same issues on defense they've had the whole time. So could the Jets back in to some scores? Maybe the Browns make one mistake and all of a sudden – it's not in doubt exactly, but the Browns win 31-23. I think that's out there for sure. So I'd stay away. I'm sure as heck not going to put my fake money on the Jets. So I'm taking the Browns nine minus nine and a half reluctantly with an alert signal signal of anybody out there who actually has actual American cash to bet. I would watch this game root against whoever you have to root against the Dolphins on Saturday, watch the game, enjoy the idea of the Browns ending their playoff drought and save your money to bet on something else because I think it's a sucker line. Take that money you'd put on the Jets and buy another Christmas present for your kids or something. <laughs> Eric, are you making it a clean sweep? Um, you know what? I, um, I struggled with this one. I really did because I got fooled by uh, – I was fooled really by the Jets beating the Rams. You know, that makes me think, wow, this is going to be a close game. But I don't really want to be fooled by that. And it's also a week – where the Bengals beat the Steelers. So it just feels like, you know, the bad teams can just kind of like, they're like the, the walking dead this week, you know? They're just rising up and coming out of the earth and beating people. <laughs> but um, but Quinn and Williams is out for the season and it's going to be really hard for them to play, you know, pretty good defense against uh, Baker Mayfield and the Cleveland Browns right now without Quinn and Williams. I think that hurts them. Uh, it'll be Denzel Ward's second game back, and that's going to make a difference for the Browns. I think he's going to be that much better having knocked the rust off last week. Uh, I think he'll be able to take care of whatever um, whatever Sam's got going. And then um, Ronnie Harrison returned to practice this week, and that's that's big news. But I don't know if he's going to be ready to play this week. I think it might be one of those things where possibly they ease him back into practice this week and then let him play next week against the Steelers, because this is a game you don't have to rush him back for. You think you can probably win it without him. I don't know that he's going to play this week, uh, but still uh, I'm going to pick the ground. I'm going to pick the Browns. I'm going to pick the Browns uh, to cover this one, even though I'm, I'm, I'm not feeling great about it because of, like I said, the walking dead factor. I like it. Somebody needs to get on Photoshop and, take Baker Mayfield and make him what's the sheriff's name in that show is it Rick or or something I stopped watching after like season two so I, I don't really remember uh but yeah now, I heard an interesting fact today on uh one of the uh local shows up in Cleveland that the uh this is either the third or fourth time since 1980 the Browns have been uh, favored by well they said double digits but this is about they might have had 10 on their line yeah. They said double digit. Uh, that would not surprise me. Yeah. So, oh, really good. All right. Well, before we, uh, before we get out of this segment, this is where we put our football insider subscriber on the spot as we do every week. So Hollis, uh, you get to be kind of our, our salesperson here. What is it that you like about your, your subscription to football insider? Uh, I just like the fact that I've kept up to date constantly <laughs> and uh being a huge cleveland sports fan 
especially Browns and Indians. But as everybody knows, Browns is, is really in your blood, if you will. A way to me, for me to feel like I'm back in town and, and part of the camaraderie of the local community. And, uh, you know, it's just a lot of fun seeing that news come across. All right. Well, and of course, we certainly appreciate you subscribing. We appreciate all our subscribers. I put a call out to come on the pod because my, my list ran out of people. And Hollis, you were the first for first person to respond, but then we got a whole bunch of responses after that. So I, I love seeing that enthusiasm from our uh, subscribers, our tech subscribers. It's always fun. And, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to throw another thing in there. I think uh, next year, I'd like to be part of the weekly pod as, as a regular guest on the <laughs> I love it. this is the and first it, time first time anyone has lobbied to be a regular guest and, I, and then you can invite somebody else but I, I want to be on the pod next year every week okay I keep saying it you create that Hollis and Hollis and Doug podcast feed and I am subscriber number one I uh and after I we're, we're not as COVID uh adverse you know we you know we can all maybe I can come out and meet y'all we can make a little plan for next year you know what I'm saying yeah that well, that is, that is one of the uh, that is one of the benefits that we've done before. We've actually done live in-person events back when we were allowed to do live in-person events, and I can't wait right. to be able to do that again. All right, Hollis, uh, appreciate you jumping on, uh, and of course, Doug, Mary Kay, and Ellis for making your picks. Everybody, stick around because we got more podcast coming your way. Okay, so our final segment here on the pod. It's. Um, me, it's Mary Kay, it's Ellis, and we're going to talk about, this is an old school segment, uh, way back, what, 12 months ago? That's how old it is. We used to do a, a Life on the Beat segment. We're going to bring it back for this this full segment here on our kind of uh, long holiday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. So uh, we're just going to talk about life on the beat, I guess. And I wanted to start, since it is Christmas time, I don't know if anybody has anything good related to like Christmas covering a game around Christmas. I know this when the schedule comes out, at least for me, the first thing I look at is what's Thanksgiving weekend and are the Browns playing on Thanksgiving, which they haven't played on Thanksgiving while I've been doing this. Um, and also where are we going to be around Christmas time? If Christmas is on a, a Friday, Saturday, or Sunday, where are we going to be um, that year? So th that's, that's sort of the first thing you do when the schedule comes out. Really, the, the Christmas memory I have is Christmas Eve 2016, was it? The Browns mm -hmm. and the Chargers. The Browns are barreling towards 0-16. We're all miserable because none of us wanted to cover 0-16. Of course, the irony is it happened the following year. <laughs> and the Browns pull the upset, and they beat the Chargers on the Jamie Meter blocked kick, and Joe Thomas is crying. And I think that was the happiest I've probably ever seen the the Browns media court as a whole like everybody was just on the same page that day like thank god this team won a football game <laughs> yeah it was like we did not it was we did not want to cover 0 and 16 we really did we needed to gear up for that you have to go 1 and 15 before you can go 0 and 16 you don't want to just barrel right into 0 and 16 <laughs> you want to like kind of be prepared for it uh, so that was a nice Christmas gift for us uh, that night. And I know you were in the locker room right away, Dan, and you got to see all the emotions. And uh, that's one thing about life on the beat is that a lot of times these guys are out of the locker room fast. So while we're in the uh, media room talking to the coach, waiting for Baker to come in, uh, Dan would always catch a lot of really great emotion and things in the locker room. And that was one of the nights that you did. 
Yeah, that was um, like, honestly, I'll never forget Joe Thomas. I mean, this is a guy that never got to play in a playoff game. And that was just such a, I mean, this is a first ballot hall of famer. Like this guy has done outside of team success. This guy has accomplished everything a left tackle could want to accomplish in his career. And that is probably one of the most memorable moments right there. Just seeing him like in tears in his press conference and coining the, what was it, the pierogi Prince of Parma or something for, yes. for Jamie meter. Ellis, you weren't around then, but I'm sure, I'm sure somehow you caught wind of that football game. Of course. I mean, anytime there's either an undefeated team, you know, trending towards the Dolphins record or the other way headed towards almost 16, it's, it's national news, regardless of your age, you're paying attention to it. And what I find so interesting about you two talking about that game, that moment, and I could listen to you two unpack this for another 15 minutes. When I was working on my Jets preview this week, you know, you, you read a lot of clippings from both sides, the Rams and the Jets. And on the Rams side, you have writers who are just as confused as the Rams are for why they lost. And on the other side, you have Jets reporters talking about just this euphoric feeling of a team winning that first game when it comes in December and it looks like you're headed that way. And Adam Gase actually had a quote that he said this on the flight home, it was the most upbeat, positive energy he's ever been around. And he's coached and won in an AFC championship game before. And he still picked that game. Now, I don't think that's a, this is me knocking Adam Gase here. I think it's a testament to truly what you just described, Dan, with Joe Thomas, things like that, where these fans forget that, I don't want to say they forget. It's just hard to keep in mind that these players, they don't care about draft picks. They don't care about where they're going to be on the board come the combine and later in the spring. They don't want to go through a week of having another defeat and trending towards 0-16. So when you're, you guys are talking about the feelings in the locker room, it takes me to just what the Jets experienced last week, and which is pretty ironic considering now the Browns have that team coming up this week now one of my uh, favorite Christmas uh, football stories was uh, the Browns played in Kansas City and I don't have my media guide with me I can't remember what year it was right now maybe you have a media guide handy Dan and you can help me uh, all these years run together I've been doing this for so long I can't remember what year was what I can't remember which coach goes with was it which quarterback what was it 2015 yeah, I think it was 2015. I, think that I, I remember this story happening, but I, I wasn't, I think that was the year that I wasn't traveling. And I, I think 2015 was, was that year. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you know, I'm in the, uh, I was in the chief's locker room. I can't remember. Sometimes we bop over to the oppo opposing team's locker room uh, to catch any stragglers or whatever. So I was over there and uh, either that, either I was over there or Paul, it was Paul Rudd. I mean, Paul Rudd came into the locker room dressed up in a Santa suit. And so what a great Christmas gift that was for me uh, to be like a couple feet away from Paul Rudd, who I think is absolutely amazing. And uh, I snapped a, a, a photo of him. And, you know, I've come to realize since then, of course, this was, you know, just pre the absolute explosion of Instagram and everything else. But Nobody cares if you have a picture of Katy Perry or Paul Rudder. You have to be in the picture, okay? So I finally, I finally figured that out. And when I ran into Post Malone <laughs> at the Super Bowl this past year, 
I made sure I got myself in the picture too. So duh. But back then I, um, I wasn't smart enough to do that. So I've got, I still have it on my phone. I've got my little picture of, of Paul Rudd in his Santa suit and locker, but it could, it, it could have been anywhere. It could have been anyone. Right. Uh, so I do have proof, but not the right kind of, kind of proof. Mary Kay, it sounds like your kids don't believe you that Paul Rudd was ever in a Santa Claus suit and you were standing shoulder to shoulder with him. That's what it sounds like. <laughs> like no way, mom. Come on. No. I mean, if you, you are not. You search that one. Isn't it the truth, though? If you're not in the picture with the celebrity, it didn't happen. I mean, it just didn't happen. And I've come, you know, like I, I stood there, you know, when Katy Perry was doing the, the halftime show at the Super Bowl. And I was so excited. You know, I went to the press conference and I took a picture of Katy Perry and I posted it on Instagram to show, you know, here I was. It got like 12 likes because it was like, <laughs> so what? There's a picture of Katy Perry, right? Now, if I would have, you know, taken a selfie with me in, in it, then I'd be like, oh yeah, you were there, right? So I've learned the hard way. Yeah, nowadays, if you, if you didn't Snapchat your workout or Instagram your <laughs> breakfast, you didn't do either. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Best Paul Rudd, uh, best or favorite Paul Rudd movie or show? Oh, for me, uh, for me, it's either uh, like I'm a big Parks and Rec guy, and I. Know oh, you took my Dan. That is so fun. Let's go. You hesitated. I've loved, <laughs> loved him in Parks and Rec. Also, the other one is a Wet Hot American Summer, when he throws that tantrum. If you guys have seen yeah. that one, that's a good one. No, I don't have seen that one, but. What is, um, I just watched it like two weeks ago and I now I can't remember the name of it, the classic with Alicia Silverstone. Oh my gosh, um, Clueless. Yes, Clueless. Right. Clueless. I love that movie. Dan, are we going to be able to get the, the name of the, the politician he is in Parks and Rec off the top of our head or is that too much? I should know this because I'm, I'm sure oh. I've referenced it on Twitter before. He's so good. That final episode, kind of the conclusion where uh, uh, they back the the van or the uh, <laughs> you or the uh, motorhome into the into the the dad's funeral and he comes out he ends up thanking Leslie Nope and all that it is an all time episode he is he only shows up a few times in Parks and Rec there but that arc is flawless for him Bob, Bobby Newport Newport there you go there you go yeah that's a uh, that's a class I mean Mary Kay's got us beat with celebrity sightings because uh, you go to the Super Bowl every year. Um, also, Mary Kay, we were having this discussion in the Giants press box uh, on, on Sunday night. You remember a certain, uh, a certain celebrity who, of course, came to town with Andre Risen. Yes. Okay. So, yeah, this, this, was, this was funny. So the other night when, when Baker Mayfield uh, evoked TLC and quoted uh, – waterfalls which is the song has endured i mean gosh somebody look up when was that song like a, a hit 94 94 1994 the last time the browns were 10 and 4 as well oh. <laughs> Am I there's, a, on that, Dan? there's there's I'm, a I'm, I'm double checking here i thought it was later but yeah you're right 1994 released 1995 okay so so see, now there's even more of a correlation here than Baker Mayfield realized. He brought in a Waterfalls reference when the song was popular the last time the Browns were 10 and four. Um, but anyways, so Andre Risen played for the Cleveland Browns and he had been a superstar 
and he was expensive and he was part of the reason why Art Modell like, had to borrow money to pay his contract. It was kind of crazy. But anyways, um, so he was dating Lisa Left Eye Lopez of TLC at the time. And she came, she came to practice. She was around. I mean, she was, she was here with him and she was around. And it was after she had already burned his house down. He had this big, huge mansion <laughs> in Atlanta. And she burned his house down. But they were still together. So they were still together. And somehow, oh, you know what? Oh, my God. It. Oh, oh, oh. You know what? I just remembered. And I don't remember much of anything anymore, really. <laughs> I wrote a story about her. I, there is a story out there. I have to find this somehow. I don't know how I'm going to find it. But I interviewed her and I wrote a story. Yes. We got to go cut the clippings out, old school style. Yeah, we got, I got to find this somewhere. But anyways, I talked to her and she told me some things that I couldn't write. Like she told me why she burned the house down. Okay. Which I can't say it. Poor Lisa <laughs> Left Eye Lopez is gone. But anyways, she told me, you know, here's why I burned the house down. Well, whatever. Well, Andre Bryson was so furious that she was talking to me like this and telling me these things that, I mean, he was so mad at me he didn't want to he didn't want to let the story run i mean it was a big to do it was a big to do and let me just say that you don't want to tick off andre Ryzen, at least not back then we've since oh. done stories on him bud shaw did a great feature story on him i think he's, he's a football coach somewhere and uh but yeah that was that was very very interesting and then poor lisa left eye lopez which ellis did you ever figure out why they call her left eye more research. I'm, I'm telling you, the only TLC member I'm familiar with is, what was it Chili, right? Yeah, or Chili. Yeah, Usher. I'm not going to say why on a family podcast anyway, so you guys <laughs> can go look that up. Google but, search. <laughs> but anyways, uh, she was a teeny tiny little thing too. Just like she looked, she almost looked like she was 12. But by that time she was, she was in her, I don't know, maybe in her mid twenties or something like that. But she was a teeny, teeny, tiny little thing. Not what, she, not what I necessarily would have expected. But some years after that, not too many years after that, I don't think, she was killed in a scooter accident in Haiti. And that was just so sad because I think that she had the talent to be like a Nicki Minaj or somebody of that level. I think she was that good. And she was outspoken. She was spunky. She was immensely talented, and um, and I'll never forget that opportunity to to have that time and that interview with with her. And I got I'll have to find the story somewhere. Somewhere there's a story that exists. <laughs> yeah. with my byline and Lisa Left Eye Lopez and <laughs> Baker. I bet Baker doesn't have any idea that she was the girlfriend of Andre Risen. I didn't. We talked about this in the in the press box Sunday night. I had no idea. You you taught me and Mary Kay. That's what makes you a legend. From stories like that to details to predating Twitter. This is far before at and hashtag. Can you imagine? Could you imagine what Twitter would have thought of everything you're sitting on? Yeah, I, I predate, you know, like a regular laptop computer too, so. <laughs> now, we're on, now we're on Zoom doing this. Yeah, what, what, did, what did you write that story on when you <laughs> well, back in the day? By then I think I had like a, by then I probably had some kind of a Dell or something. Yeah, I had a Dell by then, a uh, regular, you know, PC, 
but you know, like way back, way, way back in the day when I was traveling around the country with a soccer team, um, the Cleveland force, you know, we had these little radio shacks. Does anybody ever remember seeing one of those things? I have no idea what you're talking about. Oh, what's radio shack? <laughs> I'm not buying that. <laughs> oh, okay. It was this little tiny thing and you could get like, you could see maybe eight lines. It was like playing Pong. Remember that game? What's Pong? It was, like the Pong <laughs> it was like the Pong version of, of what a computer was eventually going to be. And I would be sitting on an airplane with my little uh, radio shack and everybody would come by and, and want to look at my my radio check. Oh, that reminds me of another story. Oh, all right. Another good story. I don't know if it's one I can tell or not, though. Well, we'll, I, we'll let you think about that one. Okay. <laughs> because Ellis actually got to experience, um, he, I don't know if this was like your first kind of real Browns travel experience on, on Sunday. Um, and what I mean, obviously you've traveled with this before, but I mean your first kind of I don't know if I'm going to make it to this game or not travel experience on Sunday. The first one went terribly wrong. I've had, yeah, for there's something about me in Newark. I don't know. I have always have problems and I should have known this. I should have planned for this when I booked the flight um, going to Newark. I'll, I'll, I'll let you tell the story, but just to, to set it up, the minute this game got flexed, I don't think any of us had booked our flights because we all just decided we were going to fly out the day of Mary Kay was smart enough and got the earlier flight, but I show up at the airport our photogs are there, our two photogs. Ellis is there for this 1130 flight. And Ellis is, you can tell everyone, it kind of went sideways. Yeah. So, you know, you grow accustomed to flying in the day before these games, and then all of a sudden it gets flexed. And me being the young reporter that I am, I planned on, even though the game getting flexed, still flying in the day before, like a responsible professional. <laughs> but all of a sudden, Dan Lobby puts the idea in my head on this podcast, mind you, so listeners may remember this. He goes, Bad oh, right, right. Maybe I'll just fly. He goes, Mary Kay, what, could anything go wrong? You, you really said that. Could anything go wrong <laughs> if I fly in the day of the game? And we're, Mary's like, oh, no, you're fine. You're fine. I'm like, huh, that's a pretty good idea. So like you said, Mary Kay grabbed the early flight. No problems there. We had a mid-afternoon, 11 a.m., 11.30 flight. Yeah, something like that. Plenty yeah. of time. We were going to get in by like 1.30. Yeah, plenty of time. Mary Kay caught the early one. So, you know, we thought, hey, let's get a few extra hours of sleep. Of course, that's always what it comes down to, being a little lazy. And let's catch this one. So, we get to, you know, you get to the airport. All of a sudden, you know, we all find our way by the gate. And I see you sitting up there with the photogs. And I can tell something's not going right. But I'm one of those people that sit by the gate with my headphones in, listen to a podcast or music, try to keep a low profile, and just when I can board, I board, right? Just get me on the airplane, get me where I need to be. All of a sudden, the boarding time's about 15 minutes past. I think something was said on the intercom. I'm like, okay, I probably should go find my team and see what's going on. I go up to you guys, tell you exactly what I just said, and you guys look at me and say, well, there's some uh, mechanical issues with the plane, and this thing's not getting off the ground. I go, oh, so what's that mean? Photographers go, well, we might be driving, which, Dan, what would that have been in the car? I, I think we figured out it was seven hours. I don't think we would have made it, but it would have been like now, seven hours. Now we're, now we're considering driving, and then we're trying to figure out how we can switch flights. And surprisingly, it ended up working out pretty smooth. I mean, we yeah. just switched our flights online. 
got on a 3.30 flight that ended up getting delayed a little bit. And it was hustle and bustle, no time to unwind once we got to Newark. But point being, there was a, I don't know, 45-minute gap in there where I thought, wow, maybe I'm not going to this game and I'm just staying home, except I needed to catch a flight from Newark to <laughs> Minnesota for the holidays Monday morning. So that's just, in my short career doing this, life on the beat in a nutshell, and especially life in 2020. No schedule is safe. We're at the mercy of either COVID, other decisions, or planes breaking down. Thank goodness we weren't in the air, though, of course. It's about safety. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just, just to put it in perspective, though, I mean, normally the latest I would get to a game. Well, this year I've, I've pushed – because there's no fans. The latest I would get to a game is like two hours, but normally it would be like three hours before kickoff. So you're talking 520 or 620. I think we got to the stadium close to seven. Um, yeah. I don't think we landed until like six or – like got checked in. It was, it was not pleasant. It was, it was pretty close. I'm sure Mary Kay was sitting at the stadium wondering if we were even going to show up. Um, right. That one. So we have such a good uh, levels to our experiences here. Like Mary Kay is at the stadium, you know, three hours, <laughs> three and a half hours early about her business. Dan is a little uneasy about showing up an hour before, but you know, he's one of the chill guys I know he's going to be cool with it. I showed up to the Pittsburgh Steelers game this year about 20 minutes before kickoff due to a handful of things, but most importantly, missing an exit off the turnpike. That'll get you. Yeah. <laughs> and then just getting into Pittsburgh in general, every bridge and every exit yeah. and where to park and just yeah. everything's different this year. Brutal. It was a nightmare. I was very stressed out on the way to that game, but then once I arrived and realized I could still do what I needed to do with little time, it was okay. So without that Pittsburgh game, I don't think I would have been prepared for the newer uh, delay, but here we are, we made it and hopefully crank out a quality product in the meantime, but it, it's <laughs> life on the beat. That's why we're here. Absolutely. Well, I'll, I'll tell you, I mean, the thing is, and look, NBA writers, baseball writers. Which, oh yeah. They know, you know they don't, they're, they're laughing at us telling travel stories, right. but <laughs> the later it gets in the year, you know, that's when you start saying, well, it's a night game. Maybe I could fly out day of that first trip of the year. You're like, I'll go out four days early. I don't care. But, uh, you know, it starts to get around this time of year. You're trying to minimize how much you're out there. Newark has been a problem for me many, many times. And I always fly out the day of preseason games. That's actually what most of us do for preseason games. We'll fly out day of. They're usually later in the day, um, like 7, 38 o'clock. And we kind of cross our fingers that maybe – maybe something will get canceled and we don't have to go to a preseason game, but uh, it never works out. But there was a trip where I waited way too long to book a flight. So the only thing I could get the next morning was at like five 30 in the morning. So I didn't even have a hotel room. I was just going to fly in the day of the game, go to the game and then just pull an all nighter at Newark airport. But my flight that morning got delayed till like noon. I had to transfer in Detroit from Akron and I had to like sprint through the, the Detroit airport to make my connection. And if anybody's been in the Detroit airport, I had to like sprint through that flashing tunnel. Yeah. You've ever been in the tunnel with the flashing lights. I don't know what that thing is. And you would have looked like the scariest human on earth sprinting through a tunnel <laughs> that trippy. Yeah. It's a weird place to be. So, so I get on my, I get on my flight on time. And at that point, once, once I got on that flight and once we taxi and we're in the air, I'm like, okay, I'm good. I'm good. We're going to make it. So that means one of two things, either this thing's going to crash and I'm not going to make it or, you know, something weird is going to happen. And of course what happens is 
the woman next to me has, she brought on a McDonald's cup, like this huge McDonald's cup. No big deal until she goes to throw it away to reach over me to throw it away. Somehow the lid comes off <laughs> and just spills this like Coke or whatever it was all oh. over me. And here is the best decision in my life that I have ever made. I thought about wearing khakis that day. And remember, I said, I'm not going to a hotel. I'm going to pull an all-nighter. So I didn't bring anything. Like, I didn't bring, like, clothes or anything. <laughs> the best decision I ever made. I was going to wear khakis. And I thought, uh, you know what? First of all, who cares? Secondly, it's a preseason game. So I could definitely just get away with throwing on some jeans. I throw on this pair of dark jeans that I was wearing. But if I had worn khakis that day, we, there would have been an issue. I might have just not gone to the game. Um, it was it was a bad it was a good choice uh, that I made that day, uh, and, I, and I ended up making it and somehow drying off in time. You would have had to stop at a Kohl's and find another pair of khakis. Yeah, I was going to have to have my Uber driver <laughs> stop somewhere and buy clothes, which is not which has happened. By the way, we have had beat writers Mary Kay, and also our buddy Nate. Uh, we have had beat writers actually leave a stadium go to a store to buy clothing and then come back. Oh yes. Yes. Nate, one, we were so freezing in, in Houston one year, like we were, our teeth were chattering and Nate was like, I, I can't sit here like this. I mean, it was just so cold. He <laughs> left the stadium, ran over to, I can't remember the name of the store. It was like, I don't know. It was like two blocks away from the stadium though. And he bought me this wonderful I was like, just buy me. I throwing money at him. Just buy me something to wear. He bought me uh, this gray hoodie that I still have and love, and it's soft and comfortable. And he bought stuff for himself. So he went out and uh, and made a fashion statement for both of us. That was funny. Man, do I have a lot to learn? Life on the beat. This is what I signed up for. This is what I'm getting myself into. I can't wait. Well, Ellis, you. I mean, you learned an important lesson with Pittsburgh. I mean, I really that's. Did. See, I mean, like I kind of, I've been to, you know, I grew up around here, so I, I kind of know like Pittsburgh, you take one wrong turn, it's going to cost you three hours. Oh, but Such a mistake. It, so it I'm was... curious, um, Ellis, you've been to two of the three non-Cleveland AFC North cities. Um, which one, what's our favorite AFC North city that's not Cleveland? Yeah, so there's really only one choice I can make here. And it lands with Pittsburgh because I have a friend there that coaches at Pitt. So being able to double dip in a way and fulfill my professional duties and then reconnect with an old friend in the city of Pittsburgh. Little did I know they call it Litzburg, the kids there at Pitt. Oh. And you can easily see why I'm landing with Pittsburgh. It's just a fun um in a way, forgive me if this isn't accurate, but it feels like a historic place. You know, you got that old type of feel to it. The college town, you wouldn't, you know, it's not like one of those renovated new apartment buildings type. Of, I mean, those are, there are spots there like that, but there's enough nook and crannies where it feels old school. And just being able to have that extra day and walk around a little bit, see a cool place to eat, check out the university, the school. I actually was in the pit facility. This was pre-COVID got to get a tour of that and you know Pittsburgh the Steelers actually practiced there too um so that experience all encompassing that compared to being in and out of Cincinnati a few times and having a what four and a half hour drive back from Cincinnati to Cleveland I, I don't want that so give me Pittsburgh every time I sounds like what you guys are going to say next is a pretty cool place to be but 
I've had a good time in Pittsburgh so far. Well, we'll get you there. We'll get you there maybe next season. But, yeah, I mean, I've got to go. I, I like Pittsburgh. If you go to Kent State, basically everybody you know is from either Pittsburgh or Strongsville. That makes um, sense. So yeah. I know a lot of people in the Pittsburgh area, um, or at least people who grew up there. And, uh, so I, you know, I actually kind of like Cincinnati. But, yeah, for me, it's, a, it's Baltimore, hands down. I actually um, – Got myself in a little trouble on Twitter once because I was bored waiting to go to dinner. And I, I said that Baltimore is a top one AFC North city. I'm sorry. It was, I was just, I was just bored. Who, who um, got mad at you? <laughs> a, a lot of, a lot of people who follow me who are from Cleveland, which is pretty much uh, all of my followers. <laughs> um, but yeah, Baltimore is a, is just a, a really nice, if you go there in September and you get to the inner Harbor and of course seafood and all that stuff. It's, it's a great place. Nick's fish house is our, uh, our usual stomping grounds when we go there. Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah, I would say Baltimore is, is my favorite AFC North city, but I've always had fun, uh, in Cincinnati, always had fun in Pittsburgh. Uh, so, you know, it, it's really a, a great division to be in, in terms of just like good restaurants and, and fun weekends. So it's always been enjoyable. I also always kind of rate my cities by how they are to run in. So Baltimore is a good one. Cincinnati's a really good one. It's got all the bridges. You kind of go back and forth between Kentucky and, and Ohio. Um, so, so that's always how I rate them. Now, Ellis, have we told you the 2018 Baltimore story? Uh-oh. This is breaking news to me on the podcast. <laughs> this involves, this involves a lot of people. Um, Browns playing the Ravens the season finale in 2018. It was flexed to four, I think. Is that right, Mary Kay? It wasn't, yeah. sun, it wasn't a Sunday night game. I think it was flexed to like four o'clock. Huge game for the Ravens. Um, it was If they won, they were going to the playoffs. If the Steelers won and the Ravens lost, the Steelers were going to the playoffs. And I kind of remember there's pictures out there of Steelers players after their game sitting on the field watching on the Jumbotron, the end, the end of the game we were at. And then the Browns scheduled John Dorsey's media availability for like nine o'clock the next morning. <laughs> Everyone is in Baltimore. And so we all had to get this flight at like 10 o'clock in the morning, 10 o'clock, I think. The very last flight from Cleveland to Baltimore was like a Southwest at 10 o'clock. So, you know, four o'clock game ends at like eight. You go down to the locker room. You might not get back up to like nine, maybe. And so we all figured, we all knew we were going to be scrambling to the airport. So we all brought our bags. We get our bags. We run out of the stadium and traffic everywhere. So we're not getting an Uber. Like nothing is moving. I'm getting a text from somebody else on the beat saying, hey, we're jumping on the train. If, if you guys get over here, we'll get you tickets. We'll jump on the train. So we go, so we go and we jump on the train all of us. And I think at this point, how many, how many people do you think there were at this point, Mary Kay, that had all kind of gotten together? Seven-ish? Seven or eight? Yeah. It had to be. It was a lot. So the, the good news is we got on the train, so we're going to make it to the airport, except then the conductor, I guess, luckily we were in a spot where he could hear us, says, oh guys, this, this doesn't go to the airport this late. <laughs> oh, okay. So we're trying to figure out what to do. Somebody comes up with the idea of, okay, let's get off at this very last stop before the airport and we'll get an Uber from there. And so we did. 
if this puts us in just a random neighborhood, we end up just in some random cul-de-sac. There's still Christmas lights up everywhere. <laughs> we don't know where we are. Somebody gets a lift. And I, I think all eight of us, however many it was, seven or eight of us just piled in to this dude's lift. He was fine with it. He didn't care. But I mean, there was, we had all our bags, all our work bags piled into this lift. I, I don't know. I don't even know how we did it. Like we I know were, how we did it. We were <laughs> I had to sit on someone's lap. <laughs> never a good thing. It's just, it's horrible. <laughs> so, laying across I, the middle of them. Yeah. I, mean, <laughs> I, I know for me, I was like squeezed in against the door, like just trying yeah. my hardest not to accidentally open it. It was, it was, it was bad. Somehow oh. we made it to the airport. Oh no, the I didn't sit on, I didn't sit on somebody's lap. I know what I did. There were in between two people, I like there was like two inches in between them, and I like got myself right in between, and I had like an inch and a half of, of right. seats. And I mean, it was the most uncomfortable ride I think I've ever had. It sounds like you guys were brown bagging it, and I hope each and every one of you was TSA pre check. Just I hope that I was time. not, I was not at the time. And did you still make it? I made it. Wow. We all made it. And, and you know, kind of the cool thing about <laughs> kind of the cool thing about being on the road, though, is like it was it was it was like me and Mary Kay, and then it was like like I, I mentioned Nate already. I, I don't know if, if Scott was with us, uh, not not Scott Patsko, um, Scott Petrak, who, who works for uh, another outlet. But it was like three or four different outlets all kind of working together to to get to the airport. So it's always kind of, that's kind of life on the road. We're all sort of in it together. Yeah, the athletic guys were with us. Yeah, Jason Zach, Zach and Jason, I think, were with us. <laughs> yeah. it, was, uh, <laughs> it was quite a trip. I, I hope they don't mind uh, us throwing the names out there. It's not a bad thing. That's a pre-2020 world right there, and I hope in 2021 and beyond we get more stories like that because even though it was chaotic in the moment, that's living. That's life on the beat. That is life on the beat. <laughs> Absolutely. It's It was nuts. Yeah, it's... um. Yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm trying to think if there's uh, if there's anything else that uh, that's worth bringing up, Ellis. I don't know. Do you, do you have anything? I mean, I'll, I'll just say this. I'll just say this. We'll, we'll, we can bring it to this year. Being at that Cowboys game this year, you know, with the privilege of hindsight now, we realize that is probably Odell Beckham's junior. Definitely his best game of 2020. His best game as a Brown up to this day. Watching that in person, uh, seeing the reverse live. Look, I was also like you two at the Ravens-Browns game, which is an all-timer in its own light. But just seeing a singular talent like that perform in a whole 60-minute game in the way he did, it, it, it was special. And there were, you know, some people at the Cowboys game, you know, fans in the stadium, it felt the closest you're going to get to what football was before 2020. So for me, that, you know, I know that was on the list of things, you know, the best game of the year and stuff like that. that. That's one that just stood out for me. I'm very appreciative and grateful that I was able to be there for that and just, you know, something I'll always remember. Yeah, you know what, being at MetLife Stadium last week, it, it was um, it was really sad that there were yeah. no, a whole New York experience. I mean, I've traveled to New York. There, there have been times at Christmas time where I've gone to New York City for games and, and one year, me and another writer, we just walked around, we saw the tree. I mean, it was just, everything was just beautiful. And then just walked up to one of those last minute ticket things and got uh, 
fourth row seats to the Broadway musical Chicago and just kind of ducked in and saw Chicago on Broadway at Christmas time. And it was just really weird to be in New York City the weekend before Christmas. Uh, and it was just so quiet and our hotel was deserted and there was, there was hardly any traffic. There was no traffic getting to the game. And then to get there and have no fans in the stands whatsoever, uh, it just, like you said, it, it, it reminds you that, you know, we need to uh, hope that things get back to normal very soon and that the stands can be completely full of fans again. I mean, I feel that's one of the things that I feel so bad for right now for, for Browns fans is finally, and I wrote a little column about this today, finally, the Browns are giving this gift, this gift of winning. And Browns fans, you know, can't really be there. Browns fans are you know, Baker Mayfield can't be out posing for pictures with fans and signing autographs and things like that. But at least it is giving Browns fans something to be joyful about this Christmas and something to get excited about. And it looks to me like they have a sustained winning football team, which is what they wanted to build. And so I think that Browns fans should take heart in that, that they've got the kind of football team they've always wanted to have. Yeah, I mean, this is this is definitely a, a different kind of year. That was probably the eeriest. I think it was a combination of we've been in places with fans, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm kind of used to having at least a certain right. number of fans there. And then you're just that stadium is so big. Mm-hmm. There was just nobody. It was and gray. It was gray, yeah. right? Yeah, their seats were gray, so there wasn't even any color in it. It just had this drab, because obviously it would have just completely been filled with blue and red, <laughs> you know, I mean, there would have been so much color and, uh, and, and we're going back there again <laughs> this weekend, the day after Christmas, we're probably going to have a story, right? Uh, we have to fly the day after Christmas back, uh, to Newark, back to MetLife stadium, no <laughs> cardboard, not even any cardboard cutouts in there. <laughs> I was like, at least give me a cardboard cutout. I mean, like, put Beyonce and Jay-Z in the stands or something, right? <laughs> I love it. <laughs> let's, let's record this podcast in a week and have part two, and we'll see how it Exactly. <laughs> uh, good old Newark Airport. <laughs> yes. Okay. Well, I think, uh, I think that's everything. I don't know if uh, anybody else has any stories to add. We've always got travel stories, and, and again, here's to, to maybe actually having some more real travel stories next year. And, and actually, you know, the other thing too, that, that I want to mention is it's always fun when you get on those flights on Saturdays or especially on Monday mornings, if the Browns win, when you get on those airplanes and there's just Browns fan, like the whole flight, no matter where it's going to, we took a red eye back from LA um, the one year. And this was when the chargers, I think were still playing at that soccer stadium. It was all Browns fans. It was nuts. I mean, I was sitting next to a Browns fan the, the whole time. Like they travel like you wouldn't believe. And that, there's not a flight that we could take that wouldn't have Browns fans on it the day before a game or the day after. Well, it, I, we used to, the writers, we always used to, when we knew that we were going to be on a flight that was just completely packed with Browns fans, you kind of knew what you were in, what you were getting yourself into because you knew it was going to be loud. You knew they were going to be drinking at 9 a.m. I mean, really, they were just going to be hammered by 930 a.m. And uh, but, you know, it was just part of it. And you ended up they all knew who you were. 
And so you ended up talking about the Browns the whole entire time, you know, people would stop, you know, and come up and talk to you about the Browns and, um, and now, and it used to be like, Oh my gosh, it's like seven o'clock in the morning. I just want to sleep. But <laughs> now I miss all the Browns fans on the plane. You know, I miss them in the stands. And, uh, and so, you know, those times where we used to like kind of laugh and think, Oh my gosh, this is going to be a challenging flight because it's going to be, here we go brownies the whole entire way with, you know, a lot of people that have had way too much to drink by nine o'clock in the morning. But uh, <laughs> now I would give anything to have, here we go brownies with 12 drunk guys in the back of a plane. I'll go the other way. I appreciate the heads up. So in 2021 and beyond, now I know I'm going to have to keep my hat extra low and maybe the hood up when I get on these airplanes. <laughs> <laughs> the crowd. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I can't really, wait. really, that's only a problem for like Mary Kay and, and like Tony Grossi. And everybody else, we can all get on that plane incognito and sit wherever we want. About. Unless somebody happens to notice that my bag says Cleveland.com on it, they don't say a word to me. So <laughs> that's Good enough. That is that is a problem that I have I have certainly not encountered. I can usually get my sleep if I need it. <laughs> all right. Well, th this was a special holiday. I guess we'll call this the extended life on the beat edition here, uh, as we're getting you through uh, a few days. If you paused this, like I recommended at the at the very beginning, and listened on Friday, certainly hope you uh, hope you enjoyed it. If you listened to the whole thing and binged it on Thursday. Uh, I guess that's fine too, but now you're not going to have anything to listen to because we are not doing one of these on Friday. We will be back on Monday, uh, actually on Sunday with our post-game podcast, a normal post-game podcast this week. So we'll get our Football Insider subscribers involved in that. Uh, and Ellis, got to watch the tape. Scott told us a little bit about what he talked about. What did you talk about on, uh, on that edition? Yep, I dived into uh, the red zone offense of the Browns, the, you know, the er early in the season – performing at like an 84% clip, middle of the year, dropped a little bit. Now that these past three games, they're scoring touchdowns at 93% efficiency. Broke down why I think that is and the reason it could carry the Browns into the playoffs as a potential team that can upset the Chiefs, as Mary Kay talked about uh -oh. a couple weeks ago. Have you come it, over it, to the dark side? Have you? Uh-oh. Have you come over to the dark side? Hey, if you got to pick a team, listen to the guy, watch the tape. I, I've, I've landed in a... a, a Oh, area where the Browns are probably oh, the AFC boy. team to watch when it comes to <laughs> with the Chiefs. It's, I mean, you got to pick someone, right? And I had to jump over into the other side of the debate. And now I think the Browns are going to win the division. So maybe both things will happen. The more we learn, the less we actually know. <laughs> this is a whole nother podcast segment. We'll get into this next week. All right, uh, Ellis and Mary Kay, thanks for jumping on here. Everybody else, thanks for listening. And make sure you check out those hours and hours of podcasts that we have for you on that Orange Brown Talk. <laughs>